Well, hello and welcome to the Smells Like Money podcast. Join me, Suzanne Chin-Taylor, the doo-doo diva, as I interview guests who are making an impact on how we manage and operate systems for conveying and treating wastewater. As a veteran of the wastewater, trenchless, and civil infrastructure industry, each week I'll be bringing you industry know-how from industry pros who know how. Join me each week as I speak with representatives of organizations that are utilizing disruptive or new technologies and methods, and executives who are excited to share how to be successful and sustainable in our vital industry. So whether you want to learn about the latest trends in technology, in treatment or trenchless, gain tips on training and retaining great talent, or simply how to be more efficient, productive, or profitable, this podcast is for you. Ready? Let's dive right in. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of the Doo Doo Diva Smells Like Money podcast. Today, I am visiting with Brian Coughlin, the president of Utility Management Services. And welcome to the show, Brian. Thank you, Suzanne. I appreciate it. This is a little bit uh, of a different topic than I usually have on the show, but I think it's something important that uh, a lot of utilities, a lot of contractors, businesses within our space are looking to become more, quote unquote, green or establishing a sustainability plan. And one of the big components of that is energy usage and reducing our energy consumption. And so I asked Brian to come onto the show because this is their specialty. They have been doing utility audits and energy audits for what is it, 25 years, I believe you, you told me, and have yeah. saved, you know, multi millions of dollars for their clients. But what we want to address today is maybe your experience and sharing for those folks in our industry, mainly, you know, wastewater utility plants, you know, contractors, where are some of the areas that they could be looking in within their facility or their operations to that could be problem areas of high usage? And where are some of those places that they can actually save money? Or what are the some things that they should be doing or incorporating to reduce that energy consumption? Well, the way we look at it is there's really two key things you can do to reduce your utility expenses. You can use less energy or you can pay less for the energy that you do use. And we encourage people to focus on both of those. Use, you know, conserve as much energy as you can. That's obvious. But also pay the least amount that you can for the energy you do buy. Um, and we spend a lot of our efforts in that area, making sure people aren't paying too much for the electricity that they consume. Well, how does that work, actually? You know, how do, how do you pay less, you know, to get a, you know, I, I, I get offers all the time from APS here. I live in Arizona of, oh, go on this off peak or whatnot. Does the same work for commercial accounts? Oh, yes. Very, even more so for commercial accounts. Oh. And that's what we focus on. Um, every power company's got a whole list of rates that are available. There's multiple available at your home. And there's even more available at your business. But they're very complex. They're hard to understand. Right. Uh, we hire analysts uh, and we have our own proprietary software that, that allows us to 
figure out the lowest price way for a customer to buy electricity. I was going to ask you that, you know, because I've, I've received them and I honestly, I look out at it, my eyes glaze over and I'm not sure which one I should choose because, you know, I operate a business from my home. I want to make sure that I'm not going to have, you know, brownouts or, you know, access, or I'm going to be charged because I need my power at a certain time. So, you know, is this something that people can do on their own or is it really in their best interest to work with an analyst such as your company in order to figure out what's the best way forward for me? Well, they can do it on their own. All of the rates are available online uh, and they can build their own computer models to analyze them and figure out the best way for them to go forward. But it's a lot like uh, filing a corporate tax return. A business can do it on their own, but they usually hire a CPA because the CPA has the expertise with tax laws. Okay. Now, in a wastewater treatment plan, and your experience there, what are some of the biggest, let's talk about energy consumption, what are some of the biggest areas that they should be looking at for being a problem that they could probably try to do something about, in addition to the, you know, paying less for, you know, electricity, obviously? Well, one significant opportunity for wastewater treatment plants uh, is something called time-of-use electric rates. Most power companies offer these, and they charge you a much lower price for energy at night and on the weekends, and a higher price during the peak hours during the weekdays. But the nature of a wastewater plant is it's generally operating 24-7, and so a lot of the energy they buy is at night or on the weekends when they're getting a steep discount. So there can be enough of a discount there but it much more than offsets the higher prices that apply during the weekdays. Okay. So how does an audit actually work? Like if, if somebody would say, well, I'm, I'm interested in this. I don't think I can do it on my own. And I really want to have a sustainable, you know, initiative going forward. Everybody's worried about costs. I mean, inflation, it's, 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 right. it's the board. And I was just thinking, this is why I wanted to have you on the show. It's, it seems like it's timely because everybody is looking for ways to save money wherever they can with ever shrinking budgets, but costs going up. What happens? What should they expect when they have an audit? What, what, what goes on? Well, uh, when you have an audit done, you've got to uh, provide a copy of the, a recent electric bill for each of your accounts to the auditor. And then you've also got to sign an agreement with the auditor agreeing to share the savings if there are any. Um, and you've generally got to sign a letter of authorization with the utility provider. And that allows the auditor to access the customer's accounts electronically and to download all the billing and usage information. Once the auditor has that information, they're going to apply their own software and their own models and their own expertise to try and make sure that the customer is paying the least possible amount for the electricity that they do buy. Can an audit pinpoint problem areas within the facility, like a piece of equipment that's just draining too much, or is that not part of this type of audit? It's a little bit outside the scope of this type of audit, but... We do occasionally find uh, problems with the metering equipment or the billing equipment um, by, by way of doing the audit. Okay. 
All right. What um, what are the things can after they have the audit? I was going to ask, what is the what is the cost for this? You know, if they if they sign the agreement, you were saying about the cost savings. So it isn't a fee that you pay up front. It's if we find you savings that you're going to share the savings with. I was going to ask, you know, like, how do you get paid? And how well, do that's right. Money? We, we do share the savings. There's no fee up front. And if we're not successful in saving money for the client, there's never any fee. Oh. Um, so uh, somewhere around a, a significant number of customers don't save and they still have the peace of mind of knowing that an expert team reviewed their billing and made sure they weren't being overcharged. Uh, but also a significant number of customers, more than half, uh, we do find some kind of savings for. And then after they receive the savings and it's in their bank account, then they share half of it with us. Ah, well, in your experience uh, with wastewater treatment plants, I know this might be a hard question to answer. Um, what have you found have been like some of the typical monthly savings after th that you can get from going through an audit on average? Well, that's all over the map because it largely right. depends on the size of the, uh, of the treatment Obviously. facility. And also, we're frequently not just working with the plants, but we're working with sewage lift stations that are scattered all over the place. So we might sign up with one municipality and they might have a hundred electric accounts, one or two for wastewater treatment plants, but then they might have a large number of uh, lift stations scattered around town. And we look at all of those. Oh, I wasn't aware of that. So each of the individual lift stations has its own account. It's not like one master bill that's sent to the city. No, there's a separate meter and a separate bill for each location. Wow. I had no idea that it operated like that. So for the, for the poor accountant or what they call the accounts payable department to keep that all straight. And so you're going to go through and look at each individual lift station or each meter and be able to pinpoint where there might be a problem. Are That's you able correct. to do comparison? For instance, let's just say you've got five lift stations and one just seems like it's way off the charts in energy consumption. Are you able to then tell the municipality, hey, you know, this station is using a lot more power. It's the same configuration almost, but it's using a lot more power than your four other stations. That might be an indication something's going wrong there. Can an audit, can an audit help pinpoint things like that? It's a little difficult to do that because each lift station is different. We've seen lift stations with 100 or even 200 horsepower pump motors. And we've also seen plenty of them that have a five horsepower pump motor. So it just depends on how much uh, wastewater they have to lift at that location. Right, right. Huh. Intr this, is, this is really interesting. I'm just, I'm trying to wrap my head around the various different places within a system that you're going to be looking at as far as, so you can look at the whole collection system as well as the treatment plan. Do cities often like wrap other things into that too with an audit? Like if it's a total public works department where they have you come in and do everything, like all their facilities that they've got at one time? Oh yeah, that's normally the way it's done. In fact, when we're looking at wastewater, we're almost always looking at uh, water as well. Oh, okay. On the water side, uh, they have a way to store energy. 
and it's not really storing energy, but it kind of is, they can pump their water in the middle of the night when electricity is very cheap and they can fill up all of their elevated storage tanks around town and they're buying very low priced energy. And then when the energy gets higher during the middle of the day, they can either not pump at all or they can run smaller pumps uh, just to carry them through the day. And then the next night they repeat by filling up all their elevated storage again. That's on the water side. On the wastewater side, a lot of the facilities we deal with are uh, open lagoon facilities, okay. and they will have aerator pumps uh, within their lagoon. Um, I'm not a uh, chemistry expert here, but um, during the heat of the day when the sun is shining, photosynthesis is maximized, and they can actually run their pumps less during those hours. And in doing so, they're going to save money because electricity costs more during the heat of the day than it does during the middle of the night. So a simple timer of some sort or a, a control system of some sort can be used to maximize uh, treatment during the off-peak inexpensive hours and to minimize electricity consumption during the high-priced hours. That's a great point that you just brought up. So it, it seems like one of, it, this becomes an educational process of helping plant figure out based on what you're saying on the rates, when should I run certain pieces of equipment or do things so that I'm operating things or high consuming things at the lowest price point of the day from the electric right. company. And they may not be aware of when those rates go up and down or even- And each power company is gonna be a little different in that regard on what they consider their peak hours. Okay. But uh, in the- in the summertime, it's usually weekday afternoons when everybody's running air conditioning and right. it's at its hottest. That's when it's going to be most expensive. In the winter time, it's usually winter mornings, uh, weekday mornings, when everybody's getting up and taking a shower and turning the heat up in their homes and making a pot of coffee and everybody's using a lot of electricity all at once. First thing in the morning. What about selling... There are some plants that I've been talking to that are incorporating solar, you know, for their energy. What are your thoughts on that? Is that something that they should start looking at or seriously considering to be able to sell unused power back to the grid? And is that beneficial? Can, can, can they really benefit from that? Like we do as homeowners, when we put solar on our roofs. Solar is great. And uh, we're big believers in solar and we promote solar. Um, so there's a lot of good applications for that at, uh, a water or wastewater treatment plant. They're going to need some land in order to set their solar farm up on. And while I'm, we're big believers in solar, it does have a pretty long-term payback. Uh, it's, it's typically 10 or 12 years or more to get your investment returned to you. Um, it, it is a, it is a solid investment. It pays for itself. It's just not a, it's not an overnight payback. Right. Right. It, it so again, it's, it's putting into that. I have a green initiative or I have a sustainability, it, you know, initiative that I want to do my part for the planet. It's, you know, I guess if you make a move like that, it's knowing that it's going to be a long-term payback, but you're doing it for other reasons. You're not doing it so much for financial, but you're doing it for 
long range benefit for your community and the planet. So uh, no doubt about it. We are warming the planet, uh, global warming, climate change. These things are real. We're seeing it every day. Um, and one significant value of solar is it's less carbon going into the atmosphere and that slows the rate of global warming. Now, how about, I'm just going to touch on this briefly. How about for smaller businesses, such as contractors for their own building? Is this something that could really be beneficial for them, for just, you know, their operations? You're talking about solar? No, not solar, but just having an energy audit. Like, is it, is it beneficial for a small business to even think about, think about this? Oh, yeah. One of our biggest market segments is restaurants. Uh, a little known fact is that restaurants uh, use more energy per square foot than any other business type. More than hospitals, more than hotels, more than offices, more than anything. So restaurants are real energy hogs, and uh, energy is a big part of the operating expense for restaurants. But we also deal extensively with uh, hotels and motels. We deal a lot with uh, manufacturing plants as our our biggest market segment in terms of just uh, total bills. We deal with a lot of manufacturers that spend a hundred or $200,000 a month for electricity. And for those types of customers, if we can reduce their bills by 10 or 15%, that's a material significant savings and it's important for them. Goes right to the bottom line because we have a lot of, you know, manufacturers in this space you know, there's a lot of technology for, you know, wastewater treatment. So for those of you listening there, if you haven't had an audit, that might be something for you to, uh, you know, boost that bottom, boost that bottom line in today's, uh, today's economy and uh, might be something to offset so that we don't have to keep raising the costs to our end customer in order to make the profit that we want to make. Maybe we can find savings in other areas so yeah thank yeah. you for thank you for sharing that that this is something for manufacturers to take a look at well brian i want to thank you for sharing your expertise and your information on the show today for those who might be interested in getting an audit or learning more about how this works um do you work in all 50 states or are you just in one regional area i forgot to ask you that well we're all over the country we've got uh customers in more than 40 states and we can deal in all 50 states so we're all over the country. And how can they get more information? What is what is your website? You have a toll-free number and even, even your LinkedIn profile. If you'd share that now with us. Sure. Uh, my name again is Brian Coughlin, and they can find me easily on LinkedIn. I've got 10,000 uh, connections and, and they'll find me there. Um, our uh, website is www.utilmanagement.com. That's U-T-I-L management.com. And we do have a toll-free number. That's 800-793-6232. Um, and we deal with commercial, industrial, and governmental customers of all sizes and types. Great. Well, again, thank you for coming on the show. And for those of you who have been tuning in, I really encourage you. I mean, there's, there's no cost to do this. And like Brian said, if we don't find you anything, there's no cost. But if we find you something, you share and it winds up being a win-win. And so I encourage you to explore this and see if there's a way that you can, you know, reduce your energy consumption, but more importantly, 
energy consumption uh, reduction equals savings in your pocket at the end of the day. So thanks for tuning in. Until next time, keep it flowing. Thanks so much for joining me, the Do Do Diva, on this week's episode of Smells Like Money. What stood out to you this week? Share your takeaways by leaving me a review. You can find out more about the new technologies, creating sustainable solutions and insights on how to succeed in our vital industry by subscribing to the show. Whether you want to learn about the latest trends in wastewater infrastructure, treatment or trenchless, you've got it all right here at Smells Like Money. If you're an industry expert and would like to be considered as a guest for the show, book a quick chat with me by visiting calendly.com forward slash the Tuit group forward slash B dash A dash podcast dash guest or simply click the link in the show notes below. Until next week, a big shout out to all my industry friends and those who will be. You are my superheroes. Thanks for tuning in, keeping it flowing, and we'll see you all next week.